Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Now, this month we're going to talk about the chakras and the great work. Like a lot of topics we've covered and a lot of topics in esotericism in general, there are lots of different ways these terms are used. There are lots of different ways of thinking about the chakra system in the context of personal transformation. So I recognize going in that we're going to oversimplify, we're going to have to limit ourselves to a certain vantage point in order to get anything accomplished here today. So um, with that caveat, let's dig in. Um, one of the things I want to make clear from the outset about today is that um, I'm going to be talking about the chakra system more in terms of the stages of personal transformation uh, than as discrete energy centers in the body per se. I think that's one of the uh, breakdowns that you see in the way this is talked about. It's, it's often thought of and focused on in terms of these energy centers in the body or subtle centers in, in the, the body. And uh, sometimes I think we miss out on the, um, the larger significance of, of the, the transformative model that we're working with here. So don't get hung up as I'm talking today. Um, don't get hung up on the uh, the attribution to specific body centers as much. Um, this will be useful at times to work the system, but I think all too often what it does is it makes us overly concretize the symbols of transformation that we're really working with. I'm going to be using Sephirothic attributions uh, loosely based on those given in Crowley's 777, column 118, um, with some of my own adaptations. Um, also, uh, I'm going to be drawing a lot today on the work of Joseph Campbell, who's spoken uh, and written lucidly on the chakra system uh, over the years. The stages of transformation that I'm going to talk about today um, certainly apply in their fullness to the unfolding of the great work in the system of AA um, from probationer to obsessimus, if you want to think of it in the grand scale. And I am going to be talking about the attributions of the, the chakras to specific sephiroth. But um, when, I, when I say that a, um, a chakra is related to a particular sephira, I'm not implying that an awakening in this chakra is synonymous with the attainment of the corresponding AA grade. That would be a much more complex, um, fully realized, and individualized process. What I'm talking about here is the degree to which, in a given moment of consciousness, all the light bulbs in the psyche are illuminated, and we have these glimpses of higher consciousness. It's like the, the circuit is complete up to a certain point in a given moment of our individualized consciousness. And that moment is what I'm describing here, uh, or you know those those periods of time when we have expanded awareness. We don't generally stay in that state for very long. Um, as we move along in the path of return, we manage to stay in these states longer and longer. That's part of the goal. But uh, more often, and certainly um, more commonly in the early stages of the work, we end up dropping down into operation from, in essence, the lower chakras um, as we deal with the ins and outs of daily life. For example, uh, there's never been an adept in the world who hasn't sometimes been basically just living from a reactive place, um, 
you know, in response to some sort of daily stressor. That that's just the human body doing its thing and impinging on our consciousness. So that's going to happen no matter where you've been uh, on the mountain. Now, as many of you know, um, in the OTO system of initiation, there are certain attributions of the degrees to the chakras. And uh, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to discuss the symbolism of OTO degrees here, but OTO initiates who are listening may wish to review the diagram in Equinox 3, uh, volume, t- volume 3, number 10, which gives the correspondences between the chakras and the degrees of the Man of Earth triad. And think about, you might want to think about um, those correspondences uh, as another overlay as I'm discussing things here today. So let's begin. Uh, we begin, of course, at the base with uh, Muladhara, the uh, term meaning root base. Uh, this is Malkuth. The psyche is inert, essentially. The basic nature of this consciousness is uh, is of a binding force, the binding force of matter and of the illusion of purely material existence. Uh, the obstacles for growth here are uh, a desire for physical security, a clinging to the illusion of um, physical security, meaning our safety in in a deeper sense. Um, We are guided primarily by fear responses. This is the animalistic and uh, sort of reptilian brain. Um, Nefeshic obsessions, simple survival. Um, To transcend this, we have to disidentify with survival impulse as the primary center of our focus. Um, Now, you might think about this in context of the AA neophytes task, also to uh, master control of the body of light. In doing that task, and that that task corresponds um, to the path of Tav specifically for the neophyte, um, mastering the body of light is, in essence, expanding our consciousness so that we transcend the limiting belief that we are our physical bodies. So you can see how this relates to the ordeal of of, uh, the Muladhara, which is uh, that absorption in matter. Um, Joseph Campbell gives a really interesting and compelling image here um, out of the uh, the various mythologies relating to dragons. As you know, um, many times in, in dragon stories, the, the dragon is guarding um, a horde of some kind, and typically this involves uh, one or more of uh, the following, a virgin, a woman, um, or uh, a hoard of gold, a treasure of some kind. And Campbell points out that uh, these you can think of as corresponding, the virgin corresponding to Yesod, the uh, sexual life, the vitality, the, uh, the divine force within us, and uh, the gold to, uh, to Anahata, the, uh, to Ferith Center, the, uh, the gold of awakened spiritual selfhood. And what a, what a compelling image that this this dragon symbolizing absorption in matter and clinging to stuff is preventing us from accessing the, uh, the regenerative power of Yasod and the light-giving uh, adepthood of uh, Teferith. So it was a fun image. I thought I'd mention that here. So uh, moving on, we have uh, the Svadhisthana Chakra, um, this translates roughly as her favorite resort or 
her favorite standing place. This uh, we're attributing to Yesod. Um, the functioning here, the consciousness here, um, is still primarily self-serving, um, just as survival physically is self-serving. Here, instead of simply being concerned with survival of a single organism, there's some concern with perpetuation of the genes. Um, of course, at the animal level of awareness, we're pretty oblivious to the will of our DNA to survive and perpetuate itself as human animals in this unawakened state. Uh, we're mostly just aware of wanting sex for pleasure or wanting uh, to produce offspring to ensure family survival or fulfill societal or identity expectations and so on. These, these are still um, self-serving goals in a sense. Um, obstacles here include the obsession with sex, potentially. This is sort of the origin of uh, a lot of Freud's theory. Um, that is, his work, I think, was exploring this level of consciousness where uh, we get bound up in libido um, stuckness. And uh, to transcend it, we have to allow the sex force to seek its higher aim, the transformation of the higher centers via the the unclenching of the self-serving perpetuation uh, via reproduction. Um, in other words, we have to perceive that the real aim of this force within us, this, this regenerative power, is divine. This is our first glimpse of the divine in life, that, uh, that there is this power within us that uh, we don't yet recognize as within us necessarily, but uh, it's, it's our in first encounter with divinity in some, in some uh, form. Now, in the AA, um, correspondingly, we have the Zealotr, the grade attributed to Yesod, working to intensify the awareness and flow of this sex force, life force, via the beginning practices of pranayama. Now we move on to the third chakra, which is Manipura, um, translated as City of Jewels. Um, I'm going to attribute this to Hode and Netsak together. Now, a moment ago we were talking about Svadhisthana as being reflective of that stage of consciousness or that stage of neurosis, really, in, in humans, that, um, that, that Freud explored as, uh, as the will towards sex. Um, but uh, here we have something akin to the Adlerian will to power. The uh, uh, Alfred Adler, of course, was another psychological theorist who talked about the power drive being uh, the core. Um, Jung found truth in both Freud and Adler's work and said, we're driven toward will, we're driven toward power, we're driven toward death. You know, these are all valid drives. But here in Manipura, the particular focus is still self-serving, but the focus is personal power within a social context. So it's slightly less purely self-focused in that it takes into the account, into account the, at least the existence of a community, but the aim is still personal power, um, dominance over the herd, being the alpha male in the pack of whatever animal. Um, Campbell calls this the yoga of war in some senses that when it's when it's taken into its uh, right place, as I'll describe later, as it impinges on uh, the Vishuddhi chakra. Um, now, I attributed this to 
Hodenetsak, and you know, I should note that, of course, the path connecting these is the tower, the path of pay, um, where we go to war with our own limiting conceptions, our own outworn forms of consciousness that need to be destroyed in order to be rebuilt into something more functional and healthier. Um, so to transcend this, essentially what we're doing is finding a way to be centered in our own power without the need to control or dominate others to get past the illusion of others being separate entities that we need to control or dominate in order to survive. Uh, in other words, we move upward towards anahata as a, as a general uh, trajectory here. Now, I'm going to pause here to note that the three chakras we've discussed so far, the Muladhara, Svadhisthana, and Manipura, are essentially all describing in their, in their um, primal form animal consciousness. Up to this point, a person who is dominant, predominantly living out of these stages of awareness is, is barely exceeding the functions of an animal. What happens from here uh, helps us to become fully human and fully superhuman. Um, now, the next chakra after this is anahata. Now, this literally means not hit. The sound of two things not hitting each other. Now, how can there be a sound of two things not hitting? Um, well, if there are not two things, if there is only one thing, oneness, the realization of the unity of human experience and consciousness, agape. Anahata represents that awakened consciousness of the spiritual interconnectedness of all beings. Um, yet, this is still experienced in relationship to another. This is the namaste idea, where you greet another recognizing the, the common divinity in the other person, yet that divinity is experienced relationally. You're, you're not at one with it. You're not uh, yet to the place where um, the full consciousness is of no distinction. Um, now, the, the word of the Anahata Chakra traditionally is A-U-M, Om. And this is the symbolism here is that all other words are merely fragments of this one great word, just as all manifest forms are but fragments of the one, the unity. And this is symbolically the essence of that agape um, consciousness that I was describing. Now, in the system of AA, of course, the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel at Tefereth brings us into awareness of our relationship to the Holy Guardian Angel, the the um, the relationship of which we could not have been fully conscious until the knowledge and conversation is accomplished. But even the adept of Tefereth is not fully conscious of union with the Holy Guardian Angel. This takes much additional work, the work of the other Sephiroth attributed to Anahata and my scheme today, uh, Kesed and Gabura, as well as the Supernal Triad. But the adept of Tefereth has nonetheless entered into this real conscious relationship with the beloved, with, with the angel, um, 
is face to face with the angel, is in a courtship, a marriage even uh, with the angel, yet it is it is still a self and other relationship. But this is certainly a breakthrough of consciousness beyond the animal levels I was describing below. Now, the next chakra moving up is Vishuddhi, um, which basically means purgation. Um, this is a essentially a purging of the Ruach obsessions, um, which is f- essential for the supernal consciousness, for the crossing of the abyss, the opening to transcendence of human life and human consciousness. Now, when the Vishuddhi chakra is closed, we might attribute this to Da'at, the limitations of human consciousness, the f- false knowledge. Um, we, we, we are still entrapped somewhat by uh, being bound up in ego awareness as opposed to transcendent awareness. And when Vishuddhi is opened, we've completed the cross of, crossing of the abyss and attained to Bina. So um, you can see Vishuddhi as kind of having a dual, um, a dual nature there. Something very interesting is happening here with the energy of Manipura. Now, the energy of Manipura, as you remember, has previously been essentially facing outward into the world, using that energy to conquer and gain power over others. But now, rightly understood and rightly applied, this energy, this conquering energy, this yoga of war, is turned inward and brought to bear on the transformation of the self. Um, this is the inner war. That Traditionally, this is the process sometimes called the turning about of the Shakti. We move from the erroneous conception that our destructive force should be turned to others for our own power purposes and arrive at the enlightened awareness that the war to be fought is against our own limiting conceptions of self. And this represents full attainment of the Vishuddhi energy. Um, The next chakra is Ajna, which means command or summoning. And we're going to attribute this to Hokma. Um, Campbell says, this is like seeing God, but with a sheet of glass, a pane of glass in between us and God. So the soul finally is fully face-to-face with its object. The, the lover and the beloved are face-to-face, but are not yet one, not experienced yet as, as one. Um, we, in this vantage point, are uniquely positioned to experience all the ego we have built, developed, and lived in, yet we can also glimpse the beyond. Um, we, in this threshold state, have, have one foot in uh, uh, Ruach consciousness and, and the other in fully in the divine consciousness, uh, one foot in unity and one foot in dualistic consciousness. Um, as Hokma, uh, the grade of the magus uh, in the AA system, we have that magus consciousness here of that one word, the one formula, which is our unique link to the universal will. But we're still one step removed from immersion in that, from from complete identity with the oneness that we are. So, you know, even to have a word, to have a logos that you deliver to the world, you 
still have to posit a separation between the thing delivering the word and the thing that receives it. So this is still not quite the, the level, level of, uh, of unity symbolized by Sahasrara, which is our next chakra, of course. One more thing to note here for uh, Ajna, though, is that um, just as before the force of Manipura was elevated to impinge on Bashuti, so that that inner war takes the place of the outer war, here the force of Svadhisthana, the the sexual love and the awareness of of the life force expressed outwardly as as sex is inwardly directed as a devotion to the divine. So uh, here again, we've elevated an aspect of one of those animalistic chakras and applied it toward one of the um, higher chakras. The force of love itself, not directed merely to sexual union, but to love of the divine. The crown chakra, Sahasrara, means thousand-petaled. Um, and here, as I've said several times, we arrive at a complete union with the beloved, the angel, the all, God, Nuit, you know, fill in the blank with your, your favorite term. There is no separation. This is the Kether point. Um, here we are released from the bondage of matter. Uh, the corpse of Malkuth is rightly seen as the deathlessness of the pure spirit. What we perceived as death is actually deathlessness. Kether is in Malkuth. Um, interestingly, some depictions of the Sasrara Chakra uh, feature the bodies of uh, Shava, which is corpse, back to back with Shiva, which is, of course, the deities. So this polarity and... and um, two-sidedness of death and immortality are embodied here in, in interesting ways. The 9th century Sufi master, Mansur al-Halaj, has a story which I, some of you may have heard, which beautifully illustrates the nature of this transition from Ajnats to Sahasrara, um, to, to go from that seeing God through a pane of glass to being God. Uh, and the story basically is the uh, there's a moth who is longing after a flame and, and every night flies towards this flame in a lantern behind a you know pane of glass. The, the lantern is constructed such that the, the fire is within the pane of glass. And so the moth over and over again is pounding against this glass in ecstasy and uh, seeing God right there, seeing its goal right there uh, until one day when the lantern happens to be open and the moth is able to fly into the flame, be annihilated in the flame. And in that moment of annihilation and from our human perspective, from our earthbound perspective, in the moment of its death, it actually achieves its eternal goal of unity with the flame. It is the flame. It is God. And you can see how radically different that is from simply seeing God face to face through the glass. So, you know, be the moth in your own way, I suppose. Now, I want to close with uh, mentioning that after the attainment of Sahasrara, there is a doctrine that um, the initiate returns to Anahata, returns to abide in love in that place where we perceive the divinity in relationship to the world. 
um, partaking of both the divine and the human consciousness simultaneously. Now, I think this is really interesting. If you compare this to stories of the hero's journey, where the hero has gone out to slay the dragon, we've talked about the dragon today already, and obtained the reward, the boon. The hero doesn't just wander off with the gold and the girl and uh, you know, settle down somewhere to enjoy it purely him or herself. The, the hero comes back to society and shares that boon. The path of the great work is uh, characterized by this service to humanity. Um, Crowley talks about this in comparable terms when he describes in terms of the AA system that the, the magister uh, crosses the abyss, attains to supernal consciousness, and then is cast out into the sphere of his or her work in the world, the, the sphere best suited to his or her work in the world. And um, I think we have a direct parallel here. Um, the path of individual attainment is ultimately the same as the path of service to all. What appears initially to be the hero's journey for, uh, for the sake of the individuation of the individual becomes the path towards immersion in the consciousness of the all and service to that consciousness. So there you have it. Muladhara to Sahasrara, basically mapped out across the tree of life um, relating to the work of AA and to individual transformation. I hope this has been interesting and useful uh, in your own work and understanding of the path. And uh, as always, I'd like to ask for your comments, suggestions, questions, anything else. Please uh, send those to me at livingthelema at me.com. Uh, or if you like, visit my website at livingthelema.com. Uh, read my bio page if you'd like to learn more about my work. And uh, please also visit the Living Thelema page on Facebook. You'll find that I'm posting updates and uh, posting some discussions there from time to time. So thanks for listening, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time.